Yowza, 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 indeed. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Matt Kennedy, one half of the Five Films From podcast here. Wanted to take a second today before Todd and I get started on the episode to say thanks for listening. And to ask that if you've been enjoying the show, make sure you like, subscribe, and maybe even leave a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice. Doing that's going to really help us to connect with more movie-loving listeners just like you. Also, we wanted to give y'all an update on some of the stuff we're working away on for Season 2. Got a lot of good episodes lined up real soon. For example, uh, Todd's currently editing our two-part season premiere on five films from... It's actually going to be ten films from the two-part, or we're going to be doing Brian De Palma. We'll also be gonna getting into some more idiosyncratic stuff with guys like Stuart Rosenberg and Larry Cohen, as well as you know real Hollywood legends like Robert Altman and fan favorites like John Landis and Tony Scott. Again, be sure to subscribe so you can be among the first to hear all of our newest five films from content as soon as it drops. Totally. Lastly, if you're still listening, <laughs> be sure to be on the lookout for our upcoming Patreon feed. We'll be offering all kinds of bonus episodes, things like double features, commentary tracks, etc. 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 And special things like five films from directors who have only made one film and five films from the 70s disaster movie genre. Absolutely. So yeah, a lot of things lined up, good things on the horizon for FFF. And yeah, that's all I got for you. Enjoy the show. With Mac Kennedy and Todd Edmondson. All right, we're back. Next up, The Hospital. Yeah, 1971. On Monday morning, a patient named Guernsey, male, middle 70s, was admitted to the hospital complaining of chest pains. He had been referred by a nursing home where the doctor had diagnosed his condition as angina pectoris. Now, it is axiomatic that nursing home doctors are always wrong. The intern who admitted Mr. Guernsey, however, accepted the diagnosis and prescribed morphine, a drug suitable for angina, but not at all suitable for emphysema, which is unfortunately what the old man actually had. Within an hour, the patient became unresponsive and diaphoretic and was raced up to intensive care with an irregular pulse of 150, blood pressure 90 over 60, respiration rapid and shallow. The resident on duty at intensive care now compounded the blunder by treating the old man for pulmonary edema. He gave him digitalis, diuretics, and oxygen. This restored the old man's color, and he was sent back to his room in the Holly Pavilion, ruddy complected and peacefully asleep. In point of fact, the patient was in CO2 narcosis and died at 7.30 that evening. I mention all this only to explain how the bed in room 806 became available. The intern involved was a prickly young buck named Schaefer, who had a good thing going for him with a technician in the hematology lab. In the haphazard fashion of hospital romances, Dr. Schaefer had been zapping this girl on wheelchairs, stretches, pantry shelves, in the kitchen, in the morgue, in the dark corners of corridors, standing up, sitting down, so you can imagine what an available bed meant to him. Hey, Sheila. This is Howard, Sheila. Hey, listen, I got a bed for us for tonight. A real honest-to-God bed. (laughs) 
well, this is the first time we see the credits where it says, by Patty Chayefsky. Right, right, right. right. And it actually starts out with voiceover, uh, which was, Patty Chayefsky was the narrator himself. It was his voice. I didn't know that. Yeah. And That's great. It, a lot of the structure is going to be repeated in the next movie network. Mm-hmm. With, yeah. With yeah. that, yeah. Which is also a, a, a direct-to-film mm-hmm. uh, kind of a screenplay. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, because Patty wrote so much uh, TV back in the golden age of uh, when, when TV was just full of Great writers, great directors, great actors who all said, fuck this, I can make a lot more money in the movie business. Well, that's I guess Marty is what taught him that, right? <laughs> yeah. I imagine, yeah. Yeah, you had that kind of success. And you're like, well, this is where I'm going from now on. Uh, but yeah, The Hospital is a really absurdly dark I love comedy. it. I think it's great. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great movie. It, you know, people dying in the hospital, George C. Scott's the chief of medicine. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, the... Uh, uh, the killer is medicine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And Diana Rigg is a, was one of my all-time favorites. Of course, she's Emma Peel from The Avengers, and a, a, a British show. Yeah. But you don't see her in film that well, much. Well, I, I see her in On Her Majesty's Secret uh, well, Service at least once a year. Yeah, right? At least. <laughs> well, you need it once a year. She's so fabulous in this movie, too, because she's just against any kind of type you you would think of her. She's just, she's just free-spirited. Uh, Barnard Hughes plays her her dad, who's just like spent time in New Mexico as a super or in, in old Mexico. He, he's, in, in, he's yeah. a doctor. He yeah. was originally a doctor, and he just kind of got got fed up and lost it, and moved out into the desert, and just became like a lunatic. Mm-hmm. And she's all for it, but then she her backstory is, you know, when she meets George C. Scott, she's kind of, um, you know, her her dad is in the hospital. I forget why. Um, Something. Yeah, he was had an operation or something. something yeah, what was yeah. it? Yeah. I can't remember why he was in the hospital, but she's there, and George C. Scott is, of course, the director of the hospital, and so they meet up. My father, you should know, is a very successful doctor in Boston, a member of the Harvard Medical Faculty. He was a widower, and I was his only child. He was not an especially religious man, a sober Methodist. One evening, about seven years ago, he attended a Pentecostal meeting in the Commons room at Harvard. Suddenly found himself speaking in tongues. Well, that is to say, he suddenly sank to his knees in the back of the room and began to talk fluently in a language which no one had ever heard before. Well, this sort of thing happens frequently at Pentecostal meetings and began to happen regularly to my father. It was not unusual to walk into our home and find my father sitting in his office, utterly serene, happily speaking to the air in this strange foreign tongue. Well, why do you say that, Dr. Bock? What the hell am I supposed to say to that, Mr. Rubin? And uh, through this real comedy of errors, the movie just blows up right away where uh, basically there's an intern, uh, a doctor. The uh, goofiest-looking doctor I've ever yeah, seen in my life. Yeah, and he's apparently just got <laughs> all of these nurses yeah. under his power. And so, so um, a patient dies in the middle of the night, and they haul him out of there, and he calls his nurse or a technician and says, hey, we got an empty bed mm-hmm. so they can, you know, do their thing next to... Next to, next to Barnard Hughes. Barnard yeah, Hughes. You see him right, right. there, yeah. And, and, um, and so what happens is um, they, they, they hook up. He's asleep. She leaves, apparently. And, and a nurse, thinking it's still the same guy who died... Not knowing the night shift, night shift nurse didn't right. know the guy died, and they look him. She hooks uh, the intern doctor up to an IV, and he dies. Look, I don't know what the hell this is all about, but Dr. Schaefer is in room 806 with an IV running, and he's dead. I didn't even know he was sick. Russ, what the hell are you talking about? You know what the hell she's talking about? No. Maybe I'm going crazy. I don't know. 
Isn't room 806 the patient Guernsey? I mean, did something happen that maybe I didn't know about? Perez, I don't know what you're talking about. This is the nuttiest thing I ever saw. Dr. Schaefer is in room 806 dead. What Dr. Schaefer? Our Dr. Schaefer? Our Dr. Schaefer, the one who's always grabbing everybody's ass. You know what she's talking about? No. I don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean Dr. Schaefer's in room 806 dead? I mean that he's lying on the far bed, stone dead and with an IV. And if you don't believe me, maybe you just ought to get up and go and look for yourself. He really rips into Nancy Marchand, who plays the... The, the head of the nurses, head yeah. Of the nurse. My doctors complain regularly they can't find the same nurse on the same floor two days in a row. Now, what in hell am I going to tell this boy Schaefer's parents? That a substitute nurse assassinated him because she couldn't tell the doctors from the patients on the floor? My God! The incompetence here is absolutely radiant. I mean, two separate nurses walk into a room and stick needles in a man, and one of those is a number 18 Jalco, tourniquet the poor son of a bitch, anchor the poor son of a bitch's arm with adhesive tape, and it's the wrong poor son of a bitch. My God, I mean, where do you train your nurses, Mrs. Christie? Dachau! Our friend Livia Soprano, yeah. who we just talked about We've before, is actually in this movie. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Yeah. And, and she just has to eat it while, while George C. Scott is just ripping her a new one this, about how, how in the fuck, you know, does this happen? Some of these George C. Scott monologues where he's yelling at people are... You talked about just the, the idiosyncratic words that Patty Trajewski uses, mm. like George C. Scott describing other doctors as like, that barber. <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> the, Listen, didn't you tell me a couple of months ago you were going to cut off all privileges for that assassin, Welbeck? Welbeck, yes, he just butchered another one of my patients. Oh, come on, Harry, the man's a buccaneer. I want him brought up before the medical executive committee. Well, he's in your department, Harry, not mine. He's putatively a surgeon. I'll be here. <laughs> he's this one of my favorite, like, written characters in movies, I he, think. I he, love the yeah. way this guy talks. Oh, he just embraces it, too. He's just really so wound up, and he's... You can tell he's he's manic-depressive. And and after after this fiasco with the nurses and the and the and the intern dying and all this other stuff is 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 where um uh, it's, it's a funny shot of his secretary of course he comes back to his office after this and it's a great shot it's sort of a long shot of him just sitting there listening to his secretary mm -hmm. off camera going through the daily motions of all this shit and he just you can tell he's not hearing any of it he's just gone yeah and he goes and talks to the head of the psychiatry division got you how, how do i go about this i understand you just separated from your wife i left her a dozen times she left me a dozen times we stayed together through a process of attrition obviously sadomasochistic dependency my home is hell we've got a 23 year old boy i threw him out of the house last year shaggy-haired maoist i don't know where he is Presumably building bombs in basements as an expression of his universal brotherhood. Uh, he, his two, those two useless young people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he really just has, he just has a, a you know, it reminds me of, 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 um, of <laughs> in Network where he talks about uh, being married 30 years of shrill, shrieking fraud. Well, a lot of George's, as Dr. Bach, he's analogous to Howard Beale in some ways, I yeah, think. Somehow, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and he just really, he's finally... 
he he unloads on the psychiatrist and he says, "Oh, this is bullshit. I'm I'm not. Never mind. You know, yeah. I, I don't I don't need this. Uh, I'm going back to my office. You know." Meantime, like some other people are dead too. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, um, um, the insurance woman, played by Nancy Sternhagen, finds the the one dead body. Yeah, or Francis yeah. Sternhagen. Now, did Nancy. you notice, Doctor Spezio? I think one of your patients in here is dead, Doctor Spezio. Why do you say that, Mrs. Cushing? Because he wouldn't give me his Blue Cross number, Doctor Spezio. I can't get a thing down here. Because I don't do my homework, but I didn't look up who the actor is. But um, when he, when George C. Scott is making rounds, the guy right next to him is Donald Segretti from. Uh, oh, was it? That's yeah, so funny. I did not catch from, that. That's good. From uh, uh, all the president's men. Uh, the, yeah, that, the rat fucker. Yeah, 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 course, yeah. yeah. And he's really good uh, because he's basically saying, you know. Uh, he's basically telling him what's going on and now. There's a there's a technician somewhere, like an X-ray technician or somewhere. That's a... it's Robert Walden as Doctor Brubaker. Yeah, that and guy's there's name. some. You ain't heard nothing yet. We finally got Welbeck around four in the morning. He said go ahead, so they laid on the surgery for eight. Welbeck turned up half stoned, orders an IVP, clears him for allergies without actually testing. Right. And the patient went into shock. And tubular necrosis. They lopped out the bleeding kidney, ran him back to the room. We sat around waiting for urine. Fever began spiking like hell, uremia vomiting, so we arranged hemodialysis. He's putting out good water now. But some nurse goofed on his last treatment. A shunt separated something. Blood pressure plunged. They ran him up to ICU, gave him two units of whole blood. All vital signs are normal now, except he's comatose. That was two days ago. In short, a man comes into this hospital in perfect health. And in the space of one week, we chop out one kidney, damage another, reduce him to coma, and damn near kill him. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, it's kind of this, it's like, it's just chaotic and out of control. And the, the one doctor who is, who's sort of like being called out is Dr. Welbeck, who's uh, just a profit-driven kind of shithead. Yeah, and he's, and he's sort of like, a, like a businessman doctor. Yeah. yeah. It's legal for a doctor to incorporate in New York, isn't it, doctor? Since last September. It had that when I was your age, I'd have put away a couple of million by now. It gives you a variety of deferral devices. Profit sharing, for example. Let's say you pick yourself an October 31st fiscal. You declare a bonus payable in 71. An accrued item payable to a principal shareholder must be paid within two and a half months after the close of the year to get the deduction in the prior year. But your corporation doesn't pay that tax because we've eliminated the taxable income with the bonus. And with two taxable entities, you can bury a hell of a lot of expenses. Hello, this is Welbeck. Any messages for me? Richard Dysart, who we had seen in Being There, also as a doctor, and we saw him in Day of the Locust as a shithead businessman. That's so right. in this movie, he's both of those things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Businessman doctor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's funny how, uh, it's funny how it, you know, the, ethically there's a, and I'm not supposed to say this, but uh, I... I know from experience that there are doctors who are, are shareholders in yeah. imaging companies and x-rays and, you know, and they get contracts uh, through the governor who controls the board of all of these Medicare hospitals in Florida. And there's all this shit going on. And it's really, oh, yeah, that this guy. movie is, yeah, this <laughs> movie's exactly about that. Yeah. And as somebody who's spent a good deal of time in hospitals, I can tell you that like, that sort of feeling of just impersonal bullshit when they're just passing you around. And, you know, they say at one point... He was promptly, simply, forgotten to death. Simply mislaid. Mislaid among the broken wrists, the chest pains, the scalp lacerations, 
the man whose fingers were crushed in a taxi door, the infant with the skin rash, the child swiped by a car, the old lady mugged in the subway, the derelict beaten by sailors, the teenage suicide, the paranoids, drunks, asthmatics, the rapes, the septic abortions, the overdosed addicts, the fractures, infarcts, hemorrhages, concussions, boils, abrasions, the colonic cancers, the cardiac arrests, the whole wounded madhouse of our times. Yeah, I imagine that happens. I imagine that happens. Yeah. Yeah, That that sounds absolutely correct, sir. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Totally. You know, and William Hurt, we'll get to him later, but William Hurt plays a uh, doctor in a movie called The Doctor. And it's basically oh, really? it's basically about how a, a, a big hotshot surgeon gets sick and has to go visit the doctor and be treated like a piece that. of shit. Wow, that it's a good movie. And yeah, William Hurt as as aloof elitist surgeon is perfect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's really good in yeah. this movie, and it's a, it's a, it's it's also very prescient about how you know how organized medicine for lack of a better term treats patients the in, yeah well institutions are evil i think, I think yeah. it's like network <laughs> ne- this is a great institutions are evil movie just, yeah, just like yeah. network is and, yeah and 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 it's if it, something gets too big it is automatically axiomatically going to be dysfunctional it, it's, it's too big but it's too big to fail too big too. to fail too big right. to function right, it's the right. same shit there it is exactly yeah. right and the and what better place yeah. than a hospital to you know to cover that so yeah. so scott has gone through this fucking horrible day he's in his office he's drunk and diana rigg uh ask him uh she if it's okay that she has like an apache yeah shaman do a a, a harmless ritual for her dad and she said it's just it's harmless bullshit but it, it's you know, it's good for him spiritually, and and he's going to heal him. And and Scott's like, cool. You want to use Whatever. my phone? Yeah. Yeah. You want to use my phone? But the nurses and everybody are all in this tizzy because this guy, who, you, 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 I'm going to doing all this shit. And so, <laughs> the 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 patient who's in the room with them at that time is. Uh, the brother of the hospital administrator and yeah. he's like demanding special treatment and then he's like freaking out he thinks he's hallucinating a native american in the yeah room. yeah yeah he that, has no idea what's going on you know i i hallucinated last night i hallucinated there was an indian doing a war dance in here you weren't hallucinating mr mead there was an indian in here last night there was okay down to the operating room. And um, that guy, just really quick, was Andrew Duncan, who was the announcer in Slapshot. A guy yeah, who does yeah. not have a Wikipedia page. I guess he's not a particularly large filmography, but he's good in both of those movies. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So so, um, the, so the ER doctor... Um, uh, <laughs> that's the other thing that happened, is a doctor... Uh, starts having chest pains. They take him to the ER and they park him there, and they just forget about him, and he dies. That's that's the body that's found by uh, uh, the insurance woman, Frances Sternhagen. Right? Yeah, 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 and uh-huh. she's the one going around. Do you have your insurance card? Do you know your number? And it's just like she's just like a, such a pissant kind of bureaucrat. It's she horrible. was um, she was uh, Charles Durning's wife in Starting Over. Oh, that yeah. there you go, yeah. bingo. She, she also uh, this movie has two Cheers moms in it. 
because she played Cliff Clavin's mom, and then Nancy Marchand played Frazier's mom. <laughs> so it has two Cheers moms. There you go. Yeah. Man, the the degrees of separation are none. <laughs> We're really getting into every every person yeah, yeah, is connected yeah. territory. Right? Yeah. So Diana Rigg um, gets gets involved with George C. Scott, uses the phone, and notices he's drunk, and he's talking about committing suicide. He's going to shoot himself up with uh, potassium. Potassium. And she knows that's that's fatal. And um, she she leaves, and then she comes back and stops him from doing that. Uh, he talks about how he's impotent, and she says that's uh, that's not a big deal. Yeah. If there is a despised, misunderstood minority in this country, it is us poor, impotent bastards. Well, I'm impotent. I'm proud of it. Impotence is beautiful, baby. Power of the Emperor, right on, baby. Right on. <laughs> um, that's so good. Uh, so, Doctor Somebody, Doctor Somebody is killing people. That's right. that's the thing that Scott's on about. And and who else dies? Jesus. There was a um, nurse that died as well. And remember, they brought her into the wrong oh, operating and, and room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, um, Richard Dysart. Um, the doctor that wants they wants to get out. Another doctor patient died, but she's not his patient. Mike, um, and it's just like it's so convoluted, and there's just people dropping dead, and nobody nobody knows who their patient. Yeah. That, um, apparently, a patient gets gets swapped. Um, so they so so she dies because she's given the wrong operation because it's not even the right person. Well, that's but... the nurse that got hit on the right, head and is right. posing as a patient that's now. That's right, yeah, right, 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 right. That's what I was trying to remember here because um, as, this all, as this all collapses and as, the, as George C. Scott and Diana Rigg get closer and closer, um, it turns out that... Well, that it was her dad, the disgraced doctor, that was... It's going around killing people. He wasn't even killing people, just setting up situations where the, the medical system will be, will allow them to die. It will allow yeah, them, yeah, he, he doesn't yeah, actually yeah. kill anybody, That's right, is actually right. the whole I thing. I think he, he hits a couple of people in the head. And Knocks them out, but then but he, they wake up before they're dead in both cases. He just does some shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was merely an instrument of God. I killed no one. They all three died by their own hands. Ritual victims of their own institutions, murdered by irony. An eye for an eye. Biblical retribution. Schaefer was first, because you see, he killed God. God was admitted to this hospital last Monday under the name of Guernsey. I was instantly aware of a divine presence. I was convinced this porcelain old man was in fact an angel of the Lord. Perhaps even Christ himself. Our saviour was, it seems, suffering from emphysema. He was relentlessly subjected to the benefits of modern medicine and died at 7.30 that evening. A few hours later, he appeared to me in a revelation. Rise up, Drummond. You are dead. Now you are restored. Those who killed you and those who killed me will die in our place. You are the paraclete of Caborca, the wrath of the Lamb, the angel of the bottomless pit. Well, not quite. 
quite the burning bush, perhaps, but prodigal enough for me. It's it's uh, it's just really, uh, and he's really nuts. It's great. Yeah, um, he starts talking about Jesus and stuff, <laughs> and then um, and then Dysart has cardiac arrest. Well, that, he was this guy had a list because so this is it is fucking complicated. The, guy, <laughs> the patient played by Robert Blossom, the guy who died at the beginning, Robert right. Blossom. We talked about him last week. Was I guess he had visions uh, uh, of him as God, and he gave him like this list of you know the doctors that were involved in his death. It's this whole fucking thing. Yeah, he, uh, that's right. Uh, one thing that about the relationship between Doctor Bach and Barbara uh, Diana Rigg, there's sort of an ambiguous rape situation going on that is kind of makes me uncomfortable. I don't like that one part of the movie. Yeah, that's really weird. It is. Um, if you love me, I don't see what other choice you have. What do you mean, if I love you? I raped you in a suicidal rage. How did we get to love and children all of a sudden? For heaven's sakes, have I ought to know if a man loves me or not? I mean, you must have told me half a hundred times last night you loved me. You murmured it, shouted it. One time you opened the window and bellowed it out into the street. Well, I think those were more expressions of gratitude than love. Gratitude for what? Oh, my God, for resurrecting feelings of life in me I'd thought dead. Oh, my God, what do you think love is? All right, I love you. You love me. Not about to argue with so relentless a romantic. But she like falls for him immediately afterwards, and it didn't need to play out like that in, no, at all. No, it didn't. Yeah, that um, was just, it. Felt gratuitous and weird. And and in fact, um, you know, George C. Scott's character is also um, it's also it, maybe it's too close together and it's too compressed. But he's uh, he's the only he feels like he's the only glue keeping the hospital together while his whole life falls apart. And as all this is going on and he gets closer to Diana Rigg, the opportunity pre- presents themselves to save her dad, mm-hmm. who only they know he's the one yeah. that's been killing people. And they call an ambulance to take him and her to the airport. And he's going to go with her mm-hmm. out to New Mexico. Or out to Mexico. Old Mexico. Old Mexico. Original that's Mexico. Right. <laughs> that's right. And, uh, and, and, and he's all on board with it. Scott's all on board with it, and he, you know, he also perpetuates the idea that uh, that uh, you know they, nobody even knows who anybody is. Richard Dysart's dead, and you know, yeah, it's, it's all this shit. because they confuse him with the dad. That's right. The, the, the dad calls Richard Dysart and tells him he's losing all of his money to uh, uh, provoke a heart attack. Right, and right. Then right. Scott says he's the wrong guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he he plays he plays into that. But then at the very last minute, instead of getting in the ambulance and going to the airport with them, he says, "I'm not going. Hospital's coming apart. I can't walk out on what's coming apart. Someone has to be responsible." But he basically commits a crime to to her benefit, <laughs> right? Uh, so and to the benefit of. Medicine and not have those guys around anymore. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> yeah, nicer, maybe. At least, and, yeah. You know, nobody's going to know what ultimately happened, but him and Diana Rigg, and so he gives up on love. Love prevails, but it doesn't last. But and then that, that uh, last line, you know, he goes back in with the administrator, who's kind of his buddy, who's also having trouble with a bunch of activists who are storming the hospital because yeah, they're going to gentrify but, yeah. a whole thing. And his, that other guy is not in the movie too, too much, but the last line is he and Georgie Scott both standing there. And he's like, like pissing in the wind, right, Herb? Just, you know, they're, they're going to try again, I guess. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, a, it's a 
melancholy, kind of weird, ambiguous ending because he was obviously inspired by her to start caring again. Yeah. But at the same time, he's, he's, he's up just against... as likely to fucking end up in the same spot in six months. Right. I he's think. up against, uh, again, the, the system is still completely dysfunctional yeah. and it's not gotten any better and it probably won't. So he's fighting a useless, yeah. but not a useless battle. He's, he's tilting at windmills, himself. right? He's a Don Quixote, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But and and I guess you know he's he was inspired fight those, to keep trying. He's going to fight those windmills and losing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's going to fight those windmills until you know until he can't fight them anymore. That's right. Yeah, George C. Scott kills what a wonderful actor yeah he God. won an oscar the previous year for Patton, didn't accept it and was then nominated again <laughs> academy nominated him again after he's like no i, don't I want didn't this. know he didn't accept for Patton. that's yeah, interesting it was uh he's it was sort of like uh i don't you know I, I don't think i should take an award because you know these other actors are just as good as me if it's weird to quantify performances he just kind of didn't believe in awards he didn't do a protest like yeah. brando no or it, it, it was like a protest in like i just don't believe in quantifying performances with awards Good for him. Yeah. Well, he, uh, he, he, we can quantify his performance. He's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's not as well known as a, you know, a movie as the next one we're going to talk about is, is sort of probably much more well known. Oh God. Yeah. yeah. I want to talk about the director of this movie for a second. Arthur Hiller, Mm -hmm. um, a guy who does not have a particularly illustrious filmography. Uh, he directed love story. He got a nomination for that. Uh, Yeah. Silver streak, a pretty fun movie. Uh, he also, but it, it's not like he's directed any other sort of classics. I don't think he he directed um, National Lampoon's Pucked in two thousand six was his <laughs> oh, last movie. No. Yeah, um, the Lonely Guy. So he directed a bunch of movies, just nothing like that would be considered. I don't. I think as good as this. Um, but he also directed an Alan Smithy film, Burn Hollywood Burn, which is oh man terrible. It's pretty much like the worst thing I've ever seen. You're at the pinnacle of your career, and you're gonna burn your own film. Why? It's worse than Showgirls. An Alan Smithy film, Burn Hollywood Burn. And it's like this. I've heard of that. It's like and this I've inside baseball it. Hollywood satire, but it's all like, you know, the kind of like safe satire of like you know he's kind of like poking i don't know it's not very good good grief yeah well written by joe esterhouse uh did arthur hiller direct um no he didn't direct little big man did he they done away that's arthur penn that's arthur and the other one is there's arthur penn and walter hill neither one of them is arthur hiller that's That's what i gotta remember (laughs) all the time (laughs) all right well let's move on uh we'll take a break and we'll be right back all right 